on what we're going to cover today. Lord, thank you for the way you've been kind. Got us to Canada, got us back home. Good to see family. Good to take a break and catch your breath. Uh, Lord, I missed your people. I miss this family, my family, and I beg your grace and blessing on us right now. Thank you that you give us hope. Um, I need to hear from you this morning. I'm asking grace and favor for that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's dig in. Recon- reconstructing our faith. Um, I, man, the Holy Spirit just talked to us at Christmas, which God's do. So, okay, we'll do it. Uh, we're living in a culture where it's trendy. Even, even uh, there's peer pressure to deconstruct your religion, faith in some form. And so I wanted to dig in on this. And so today's bit of an introduction. And here's just a couple of ideas. Kids, if you want to draw something, try to draw a house. How would you build a house? How would you rebuild a house? You remember the tornado damage? You remember what happened to the Little Rock? Can you imagine having to rebuild that house? If you drive in our area, Quentin and Sabrina, your house, your area, uh, they're trying to rebuild some houses that damage is so bad they're tearing them down and starting over. So try to draw a picture of that. That'd be a hard one. How to, how to draw a picture of building a house. Um, deconstruction. By the way, tons of concepts of deconstruction in the New Testament, actually. Let's define our terms. You have a deconstructing faith, which tends to mean you're examining your faith and you're trying to correct errors of belief and behavior. Is that a, is that a good thing to do that in that first one? Is that good? To you know, really study, examine, look deep. Hey, if you're believing a lie, let's expose it. Let's believe the truth. Yeah, I agree with that one. I know deconstruction is still kind of funky. But then you have another one that's the more popular one, deconstructing faith, meaning you're renouncing your faith. You did your research. You think evolution is, is the truth and evolution, of course, is counter-Christian. And so you, you disregard your faith. You become an atheist. The most popular definition for deconstructing is this. You change your beliefs to fit culture, your preferences. That's the most common definition of deconstructing faith. The idea of conservative biblical teaching, conservative biblical doctrine is too strict. It's too narrow. It's too rigid. And, and so you don't like that rigidity, those limits. And so you deconstruct it. You say, well, it's not real or it doesn't apply or something. And you broaden your view. You can still be religious. You can still be spiritual, etc. But you're really adapting to your culture. Rob Bell may be one of the most uh, famous examples of that. Rob Bell was a very well-known pastor out of Mars Hill uh, in Michigan area and went completely liberal. And now he's a universalist. And Rob uh, was quoted as saying, I believe in truth from all religions everywhere. You know, So he can accept the truth that Hinduism would present or Buddhism or, or whatever the case may be. So uh, ex-evangelical, this is an anti-gospel kind of thing. It's, it's atheism, evangelical, atheistic universalism. Lingo that, that we're certainly not going to you know, get a lot of exposure to. But for the most part, Christians are deconstructing their faith to really adapt and embrace culture 
and or to meet their preferences. Okay, so let's kind of pick at that just a little bit. Here are some reasons why people deconstruct. Okay. Now, this is where I need your help, Christ Church. You guys do some research. Send me a text. Hey, Chris, here's another main reason why people who are deconstructing are, are saying this is their motive. I want to hear. Let's add to the list or let's take away from. Unresolved doubts. Has anybody battled with doubts? Man, I have. Does God exist? Is the gospel real? Is, is, this, uh, is this the word of God? Or is it the word of men? Word of God or word of men? Which one is it? Because if it's the word of God, woo, this is a big deal, right? If it's the word of men, well, a lot of men, a lot of women write religious literature, you know. So which one is it? Tough one. A lot of people have unresolved doubts and they pick and pick. What about the silence of God? How many times have you prayed and you heard nothing? You ask for this. You ask for that. By the way, with a good heart motive. At least you think you've had a good heart motive. I don't doubt that you did. Great heart motive. And it's a sincere prayer. It's a prayer of faith. And God is silent. Absolutely silent. That really wrecks people. What about carnality, FOMO? You know, I'm going to deconstruct my faith. <laughs> it's not going to hold on partying to do. I want, I want to satisfy my flesh... And that nasty Christianity gives me a bad case of the guilty. So I don't like that. So I'm just going to say Christianity doesn't apply to me anymore. Or I'm not a Christian. Yeah, there you go. That's your workaround. Uh, what about generational diffusion of your faith? Um, has anybody seen this in your home? You don't have to answer. But like grandma and grandpa had a super strong faith. Super strong. Totally devoted, right? And then they passed that on to their kids. But without the passion. Without the fervor, it's, it's like weakening. And now the grandkids, it, the faith kind of diffuses out. It, it, it's like it's getting weak. It's weakening, becoming easier to make excuses to not go to church on Sunday morning. When grandma and grandpa, man, they were there every time. The doors are open Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And they were faithful. And then their kids, yeah, Sunday morning, you know. And now the grandkids are like, what if? So it's diffusing out. It's getting thin and vaporizing and weakening. And we come up with all these reasons why we don't have to get out of bed. By the way, what, what do you think is the most popular reason why we don't want to get out of bed on Sunday morning to go to church? Why? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Can I just tell you I'm always tired? You know, at my age, I'm always tired. You know, hit the gym the other day after the vacation. I am tired and I am sore. Um, organized religion, man-made religion. Ah. Uh, what about suffering and unmet needs? That's a classic one, right? Remember this one? If God is good, if God is love, if God's all-powerful, then why would God allow evil? And that, that's a big one. And because evil exists, that means God doesn't care. He's split. He's out of here. He's gone. Maybe he's growing some other planet somewhere in some other universe. He's just gone. Or he doesn't. He's here, but he doesn't care. <gasps> well, I don't know that I want to put my faith in him if he doesn't care. You know, these are real issues, right? The problem of suffering, the problem of pain. Uh, fatherless children, 
uh, addiction device dependency. I'll talk a little bit about that here in just a second. False teaching. Man, we got pulpits that are teaching, uh, I don't know, self-help mush. You know, seven steps to make your life sizzle. <laughs> you know, follow these five principles. Woo! All this self-help religious stuff, which sounds great. It's like Joel Osteen, you know. Uh, God's favor is open to you. You shouldn't have any problems because, you know, God's good that way. That's crazy. And when, you, when your pulpits are given this kind of sugar, sugary kind of mush, you, the church, you're not equipped to face life. Amen. Not at all. You get married and all your ideals about marriage and, oh, she's going to be the best wife ever. She's going to make me happy, Bruce. I know Janice makes you happy. She's perfect. Of course, that's what you thought. And Janice thought, you were perfect too. Boy, Janice, were you wrong? And, uh, and Lisa, for sure wrong, you know. And then all of marriage gets really, really hard. And you go, wow, how did I get in this mess? Because Brother Joel said, if I would just open my hand to receive the favor of God, like little pixie dust from heaven, then marriage would be great. And, and so we got a bunch of emotional people facing the adult world. They can't handle it. It's life is falling apart. Ah, the destruction of the family. It's a mess. False teaching. Culture of moral relativism. There's no such thing as truth anymore. It's my truth, your truth. I can't question your truth. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then Marxist socialist idolatry. Uh, idolatry was well, true. Ide- ideology. Uh, and man, there's a lot there. We'll unpack it here in a bit. Social justice as the new gospel. Oh, got to get out there. Get the, get the sign. Walk the streets. Er, get one of those hats on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And protest. Er, yeah, burnout. Burnout. Um, a lot of famous pastors who became celebrities, not by their own intent, I think. Uh, burnout. Trauma. Religious trauma. Uh, it would break your heart if you heard what I hear hour to hour, client by client at the clinic here uh, and how much of it has come from Christian parents. Abuse in a high religious, high law, high religious context, low grace, low love, and that dad and that mom in Jesus' name is abusing the children and pastors unbelievable stuff um, it's real now in your in your world you might say hey Chris you forgot these two man I want to I want to know about it and I will add to the list Bruce you're going to say something well you brought up Joel Osteen yeah. there's a phrase that he used he uses I guess that is just become part of today's lexicon yeah. which is live your best life now your best life now yeah 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 Yeah, that's true. From people at work and, and yeah. Customers and friends and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm living my best life now. Yeah, absolutely. Which sure sounds sweet, man. There's some ear candy there, absolutely. But what do you do when you have a bad day? You know, you you just don't have what it takes. Let's develop just for a minute here uh, addiction device dependency. Now, I'm going to give you a quote, and I I said I said, what if someone says, uh, that's not true. Fact check it. There's a point in which, how do you fact check the fact checkers? And, you know, so I'm going to go with this and, and please prove me wrong. 
How about that? I throw down the gauntlet. I challenge you. Prove me wrong. Here we go. Check this out. Um, first, some famous people. Uh, Kevin Max, DC Talk, John Steingard, Abraham Piper, John Piper's son. By the way, John Piper, he first deconstructed, went atheistic, and his dad won him back. Big deal. Prodigal son comes home. Guess what? Abraham said, nope. And he deconstructed again and is now full-on atheist, and it's a bad thing. Rob Bell, Josh Harris, uh, Martin Sampson, Hillsong, Orlando Bloom. Julia Roberts, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Ivanka Trump, Julius. Yeah. And, and the list goes on and on and on. Okay. Um, let's talk about addiction device dependency. Check this out. Trust in large institutions is declining all across the board in our nation. The principal institutions are the government, law enforcement, corporations, media, and church. Real quick, what do you think is going on with law enforcement? Just pick Little Rock if you want to, but nationally. What's going on in the mindset of the average cop? What's going on? I'm not going. Slower response to calls? Not kidding. Slower response to calls. They want to get there after the fact, not during. Why? Why would a cop want to do that? They're not being paid to do it. What? Of course, they're being paid, but but they're wanting to avoid something. What is it? It's a setup. It's a setup. And they're going to be, they're going to get sniper. That's what they're going to do, right? What about defund the police? What do you think that's doing to them? You think that's a real motivational call to wake up in the morning, get the uniform on, get out there, make Little Rock a safe place? By the way, FBI ranked this as the number one violent nation in the city, in, in city in the nation, and we ranked number five on uh, property crime. The FBI just announced in the latest stats that Little Rock is the most violent city in the U.S. per capita. Yeah. And we rank number five on uh, property crime. Yeah. Break-ins, theft, all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Where's law enforcement? Well, guess what cops are doing if you've been in 20 years? Getting out. Getting out early. Okay. The institutions that were foundational, that are foundational to our culture, government, law enforcement, corporations. Do you trust the corporations? You trust Pfizer? <laughs> Come on, look at media, the church, the big corporate church, and I are one. Here we are. Urgh, check this out. A recent MIT technology review investigated found that 19 of the top 20 Christian Facebook Christian Facebook pages were run by Eastern European troll farms. And Russian operatives intentionally targeted U.S. Christians via Facebook ads, spreading disinformation during the election 2020. Joe Turrell. That's out of MIT. That's not out of a Southern Baptist seminary. And you know who's addicted to Facebook? People my age. 45 on up. On it constantly. And they have no idea that you do a steady diet of the media and you develop device dependency. Can we just say that we're addicted to our phones? <laughs> what it's doing to our brains. I can do some neuroscience with you a little later on. It's fascinating. The habenula to a Terry, the relationship with the, with the brain and what's going on with their phones. Uh, and it's actually good information. I'm just telling you. 
man, we're in trouble as a nation. Big time. Where we think things are true that are not true. Not true at all. All right. What about the Apostle Paul? Let's everybody turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Uh, I've already, while I was up in Canada, did a really, really big scan of examples of people who deconstructed in the New Testament. And one of the most interesting examples uh, in the life of Paul is a man named Demas. Demas went on this big mission trip. Paul was going to go here, this big trip. And, and when Demas saw the cost of standing near Paul, being with Paul, Paul preaching, arrest scenarios, being beaten with rods in public places, or maybe somehow avoiding it, the pressure of all that. Paul says this about Demas. Demas left us having loved this present world. He would rather enjoy the safety of the world than to go with Paul on a mission trip. Now, when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, or we look at chapter four, Paul is operating under the assumption that nobody here is deconstructing. If they're doing anything, they're refining and they're deepening their faith. They're making their faith stronger. Here's how Paul believes that we rebuild or even strengthen our faith. This is going to begin Ephesians 4.11. And he gave to the church some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why did God bring those leaders to the church? To equip the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. This is something that's not being torn down. It's being built up, not torn down. And it's for the equipping of the saints. In other words, you don't hire a staff to do the work of the ministry. You, you have leaders in church, like pastors and teachers, to help all of us do the ministry. Verse 13. And we continue to do that ministry until we all attain. We're going, there's a goal. We all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, a mature woman, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, you have not become spiritually mature until you are fully formed and like Jesus. When you can get a hold of that, the fullness of the character of Christ, you are mature. Now, as a result of these things, if you've done that, you are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming that results in your deconstructing whatever it is you're, you're, you know, you're believing in. Childish thinking, just a comment there. We're no longer to think like children. The ancient Romans uh, and the ancient Greeks believed that children are actually stupid. 
And I, and I use that word intentionally. They believed that they were ignorant. They believed they were dumb. Uh, they, they, they couldn't talk when they're babies. They, they don't have rational thinking skills. And so children are a bother. They're not adults. And they're annoying and they're bothersome and those kinds of things. So let's develop that idea for just a minute. What would you, why is Paul using this language of we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves of, of, of belief? What, describe childlike thinking. What would, it, what would it be like? Emotional. Emotional? Wanting your own way all the time. Wanting your own way all the time. <laughs> Come to my house. Man, Phoebe, Evelyn. All right, emotional, demanding their way. What else? What's that? Whining. Whining, complaining. No, adults don't do that. Easily influenced. Why? Why can't? That's so good. They're easily persuaded, easily tricked, easily duped. They don't know better. And so if if someone... Exactly, that's, that's the point. You know, you get the idea. Now, describe a healthy, mature brain, adult brain. What are their thinking skills like? Logical. What's that, logical? Yeah, yeah. What else? What's it? Discerning. Discerning, logical... Wise, what is what is wisdom? Anything after thirty-six years of age. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's good. Yeah. What what is wisdom? Knowledge with application. That's good. Edie, tell me more about adult thinking. Steadfastness. What's that? Steadfastness. You can be steadfast. Yeah. 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 Tenacity. You're, not wavering. you're, you're actually sticking to what, what you are. That's good. Like if one plus one is two, right. let's just stay with that, okay? Let's not deconstruct that. Principles. Principles, yeah. yeah. What else? What about emotions? Loyal. They're still there. Loyal, they're still there, but they're controlled. They're managed, yeah. How, what would a good, Serena? Ah, to, to know how to put something off. Okay, that's good, yeah. What about, um, I just had my thought and I'm off track here. Well, doubts. How would a good adult brain deal with doubt? Research. Research. Yeah, that's good. Tease it out. Dig. What's the truth? Yeah. Um, anything else, adult brains? Anything else? Yeah, you're right. You're right, Edie. Uh, Acts 17, there were some believers from Berea. Remember that? And they hear Paul preach, and they go, wow, what's up? And it says they left and went home and studied to see if these things were so. Yeah, so it's good to be Berean. Let's think. Let's do the homework. A lot of us don't do the homework. 
Uh, we want quick answers, easy, give me, give me easy stuff, and we don't want to do the hard work. Um, all right, so as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And this is Paul's answer to an adult who's functioning like a child, because that's what he's talking about. To an adult who has the belief skill sets of a child, he said, rather, we're to speak the truth in love and we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's amazing. By the way, Paul is using some Greek verbs here known as the middle voice. And the middle voice verb simply means this. I'm going to do this for my own sake. For my own sake, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take an action that's going to benefit me. And that begins by when we speak the truth in love and we start growing up. Okay. Now there's tension here because, you know, if we go backwards uh, to to some of these reasons why we deconstruct. Does these things represent adult thinking or childlike thinking? That's a tough question. Think about it before you answer. Do they represent adult thinking or childlike thinking? Say that again. Right. You've got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, by the way, there have been several people that have left Christchurch. And by the way, it's okay. It's okay. They can't stand the heat and they're going to get out of the kitchen. Okay? They don't want the truth. And they're picking, they're literally, what I said earlier, they're deconstructing because they want to find something that they prefer that's not as threatening. They're wanting to, to blend into culture and they're not wanting to face scripture. And it always has a huge price tag. A liberal will not last long at Christchurch is basically what I'm saying. What's that, son? A fool does not want to listen to wisdom. Proverbs 14.1, or Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Mm. By the way, if you want some, if you want science, <laughs> and I get so tickled at people who are intellectual, you know, or, or, or purport that they're intellectuals, because I love that stuff. And I loved, I was teaching at college, loved being a college teacher. So anyway, Students will come up to me or adults and say, hey, you know, I want the facts. Give me the truth. I really want to go deep. I, okay. Then you need to read Stephen Mayer and the signature of the cell. And guess what they do with that book, Janice? They don't read it. They don't, first of all, they don't buy it. And they don't, if they did, they don't read it. You know, they won't do the homework. They say they want an intellectual foundation. They want empirical basis for, the, for what they believe in. That's great. Read the scientists, and guess what? They won't, because it's a bother. It's a hassle. So they don't do that. And, and so they deconstruct, which means they want the easy way out. 
and they just end up skipping all the homework and they go to this childlike conclusion. There's no God. There's no moral absolutes. Your truth is your truth and I dare not uh, confront you. I'm going to join a cause here and there, make myself feel good. And that's how they do life. That is not a well-built, well-constructed faith. It's not. It's cheap. It's being a chameleon. It's adapting to the culture at the moment. Um, All right, so let's dig back in here to um, what Paul said. Speaking the truth in love. I'm going to ask you a hard question, and I want you to think. I really want you to think. Pilate asked Jesus the famous question. What is truth? What is truth? Christchurch, you answer it. What is truth? God's holy word. God's holy word? Good. Is one plus one equals two truth? Is that a Christian idea? Not necessarily. Now, if you are a Christian, you have a Christian worldview, you'd say, well, absolutely is, because God created the sciences. God created the laws of physics. God created the human capacity for these things. You can say, yeah, that's actually a Christian idea. But in terms of empiricism and mathematical process, one plus one is two, period. It's an absolute. Yeah. And by the way, the people who are not absolutists, you know what I mean by absolutes? Carissa, what's absolutism? Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, and an absolute applies to all situations at all times in all cultures. Transcultural. Okay. Guess what? Those who, who claim that there's no, the liberals who claim that there's no absolutes will have a temper tantrum royale if their paycheck's off. All of a sudden, math matters, which is an absolute. You don't argue with one plus one is two. All of a sudden. We like empirical science. Yeah. What is truth? Come on. Dig. If it's true, you ready? Let's let's make it harder. If it's true, is it truth? If it's true, is it truth? I'm gonna partially answer your question. Okay. Absolutely. If they had an experience, they, they, they think that's maybe somehow universal truth. Or that's back to that your truth and my truth and you know, her truth and his truth. And I think there's a, big, there's a lot of confusion there, particularly with younger people. Lots. Makes sense? Makes a lot of sense. If it's true, does it mean it's truth? No. Why? Because it doesn't necessarily make it timeless. There was a time in this country in this part of the country, the people picked up the good word, went to some verses that they liked, which helped to establish the idea that slavery of another human being is more accepted by the scripture. Okay, so they use scripture to, to support slavery. Good. It's pretty plain. It's true. It happened. It's is there. It, is right? that true? No, of course not. Because of course today, it's not everybody would universally, thankfully, accept that this is unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this was like, 150 years ago in this country. That's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. So just because it's true, child abuse is true. That doesn't mean it's truth or based on truth. It's one thing to abuse a child. It's a different matter to teach that a child should be abused. 
Does that make sense? I personally think pit bulls should be eradicated from planet Earth. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. Uh, do you see the babysitter chick? That some, some chick, some mom, it was a mom. The pit bull decided to not uh, be around the baby and let the, pill bu- the pit bull have alone time with a nine-month-old. I'll end the story right there. It's true. It's true. But is it a philosophical truth statement that all pit bulls should be eradicated? No. No, it's not. No, it's not. So, all right. You ready? Let's get into it. So if the Apostle Paul says, speak the truth in love, what does he mean by truth? What does he mean by truth? Speak the truth in love. God's truth. God's truth. God's truth. Okay. Specifically, Isaiah specifically, what Paul is saying, you ready, little mighty man? He's saying the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. All right. Christchurch, please listen to me. Please listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. This planet is so loaded with genetic code. It, it, evolution is impossible based on scientific empirical evidence evolution is impossible in fact there is no evidence of transmutational forms of life a bad leg or a good leg has got to become a bad leg before it somehow becomes a bad wing and somehow evolves into a good wing and now the thing can fly that ensures death it does not ensure transmutational vertical uh, evolution. It doesn't happen. And we have been told, as though it's truth, the lie of evolution. I'm telling you, it's crazy. And it is hammered. I remember as a little boy looking at dinosaur pictures and all these things and about evolution. And, and I have clients that tell me, hey, we evolved from apes. I, 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 my clients tell me that. So I don't, you know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. There was chaos. And the Spirit of God was brooding over, hovering over the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it was so. And God made a day. The first day, and God said, this is good. And then God created man. And then God created woe man. He created Adam, and he created Eve. And God made a perfect place for them, known as the garden. And God says, do what you want. It is an eternal party here. But there's one thing you cannot do. You cannot eat from the knowledge of good and evil. Because I do not want you to be corrupted by evil. And they said, sure thing, Dad. And off they went. Two wonderful lovers, the perfect man, the perfect woman, perfect husband, perfect wife, into the garden. You know the rest of the story. After the fall, God takes actions to redeem them. He clothes them in animal skins. What's that? The first sign of Christ. A sac- an innocent thing, 
An innocent thing is sacrificed for a guilty thing. We don't know what was slaughtered to make the skin, a goat, a sheep, a bull. We don't know. Some species, we have no idea. But it's the first sign that God says, I created the potential for rebellion against me. I'm going to create the way out of that. And he sets up this idea of faith. And he sets up a sacrifice of an innocent thing for the thing that's guilty. As the, as the people group grew, God raised up the prophets, Abraham, Moses, the great patriarchs. And Moses came to the law. You want to fix the problem in the garden? All right, here's the law. We'll start with the big ten. And God, and God through Moses, gave the ten commandments. Thou shalt not lie. No gods before me. You remember the list, etc. And what would happen when men would break those laws? More animal sacrifice. More animal sacrifice. When Jesus hits the scene around 80, you know, depending on your calendar work, around, let's just say, 80, 30. When Jesus hits the scene, what does John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God, curse that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb. God had this thing all laid out. And God, when, when in John's Gospel, chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son as a sacrifice, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Apostle Paul taught us clearly that if anyone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, they experience this mystical thing. It's called the new birth. You're changed on the inside. A heart of stone becomes a heart that's soft and tender. A mind that's blinded by corruption and perversion becomes a clean mind and a mind that can understand truth and understand purity and that is a mind of light and not darkness and evil. And that new person, that new Christian's got to grow up. This is called the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross as payment for our sins and that he, was, rose, he rose again on the third day, beating out death so that those who have their faith in him can beat out death too. We don't have to do that. Our sentence is not the grave. When you're in Christ, you get heaven. This is the truth that the Apostle Paul wants us to speak to each other in love. Now, you ready? Next hard question, Christ Church. Why would the gospel keep us on the straight and narrow? Why, why would the gospel protect us from deconstruction? <coughs> What's that? It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. Okay, it's truth. Joe? It's simple and inevitable. Simple and inevitable, yeah. We're going to face God one day. It's inevitable. What's that? There's guardrails. There's guardrails, yeah, but what else? I'm looking for something really specific. Why would Paul say the gospel is centric to everything and would protect you against deconstruction? We become sons and daughters of God and just as a father protects his children, he wants to protect us. Absolutely, Michael, you're nailing it. This is so good. Somebody else. That's why you talk later about the armor. Sure, sure, yes, yes, that's good. But, but guess what? If you deconstruct and you become the fool of Psalm 14.1, the fool has said in his heart there's no God, 
What's left for you? What's left? Food? Maybe, maybe some good sex? Maybe some good money? Maybe some... Maybe your favorite football team will win? Maybe some, some Pop-Tarts? This will be your best life. Your best life right now. Pop-Tarts. That's all you got. That's all you got. Yeah. You, this is it. And now you become what's known as a hedonist. And in philosophy, hedonism is this, the discipline of the pleasure principle. And you choose your ba- behaviors based on what gives you pleasure. So if it makes you feel good, it gives you pleasure, then pursue it. If it causes pain, then you should avoid it. It's the pleasure principle. hedonism. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Okay, makes sense. That leads to destruction. It leads to a destroyed life. Speak the truth, the truth of the gospel in love, and we are to grow up. So, all right, let's tie it off. If you're a doubter, let's say we got a doubter in the crowd. And, and, and there's some generational diffusion of faith. You know, your, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa. Boy, they're super strong in the faith. But yeah, you're just not buying it. You're just not buying grandpa's, the old grandpa preacher religion, the old crank pot. Eh, you're not going to buy that stuff. Okay, I understand. I understand. I rest with my doubts too and the whole bit. Uh, and I've, I've worked through a lot of stuff just to, to be where I am today. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to be like Lee Strobel and to see if there's a case for faith. To see if there's a legitimate, empirically, intellectually responsible position you can take to say yes. Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And the the New Testament writings are legitimate historical documents that make sense. They really make sense. I dare you to do that. If you're a doubter, I dare you to chase down those doubts. I dare you to own it. I dare you to talk with the right right people. By the way, if you're a doubter, talk with more doubters. Go ahead. Talk with the atheist. That's fine. Do that. But talk with the theist as well. Get the full perspective. Okay. Don't 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 look don't try to find what you already you already believe in. Do the hard work. And I dare you to read scripture. By the way, uh, chat GPT. Um, it is <laughs> it's a hot item, people. It's a hot item. I was talking with Justin, the professor at Prairie College, and guess what? When they have their faculty meetings, they have to deal with, with chat GPT issues all the time. You know why? Because students are writing papers or submitting papers that they didn't write, right? The chat GPT platform, the AI platform did it for them. And by the way, it'll do a bang up job, do a great job, right? Uh, guess what some of the AI folk are saying? That they, there literally are people thinking that they should use an upgraded version of ChatGPT or something like that, Gian, to write a religious Bible that doesn't have contradictions and errors in it. Because they believe this one does. <laughs> they believe this is a flawed document. And that with ChatGPT, you can actually write a Bible without contradiction. Wow, where's the party going? 
<laughs> if you're a doubter, I get it. Listen, I've been there very, very much so. But I dare you. Do the homework. Do the homework. Don't be like, don't be like, uh, you know, this, this situation where you're simply, uh, uh, there we go, right there. Don't just try to change your beliefs to fit your, your culture or your preferences. You know? don't, don't disrobe the religious garments and put on the new robe of today's culture just because it's you want to do. That's, that's called carnality. Uh, and by the way, you can if you want to. And uh, I'll still care for you through it. But um, there's not a lot of intellectual responsibility in that decision. At all. At all. All right. I know we're digging in. So thank you guys. Man, it's been so exciting to be here. I've missed you so very, very much. We've got a lot of work to do to build our faith. Some of us think like children. And maybe worse yet, some of us pay far more attention to what's on Instagram and on Facebook. And we're, we're not spending any time reading scripture. We'll spend hours on screen time, social media, and we're literally not reading God's word. Please, Christ Church, be people of the book. Please, uncompromising to the truth of God's word uh, from Genesis to Revelation. And, uh, and by the way, I side with Jesus. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. There's no contradiction in there in the true sense of a contradiction. Are there difficulties? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of difficulties. And, and if you find one, talk to me about it. We'll work through it. But the scriptures cannot be broken. So, All right, I want to pray over you. And Stephen's going to come up here. Abba, Father, love you. Thank you. Thank you for the grace that you've shown us. And that we're screwed up, messed up people. And we doubt. Doubting Thomas. And we... We want to believe, but we want to have evidence first. Okay. God, speak up. We need to hear your voice. Please open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to know you and believe. We struggle down here. Sometimes it's a lonely walk. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, please, would you bless us right now? Build our faith. Help us to take our doubts to you and not not hide them from you, but to take our doubts to you, please. Abba, Father, we love you. Thank you. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. Amen.